Welcome to another installment of Evolution Exchange podcast. And today I'm joined by Stina, who's head of commercial product at Oralbay, and Julian, who's engineering manager at IKEA. Mina is a release, te- um, release train engineer, that's another mouthful, at Tenstall, and Apo, who's VP of engineering at Warner Brothers Discovery. Today we're here to discuss leadership and how to grow professionals. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Really exciting. But before we go into more detail, as always, let's do a round of introductions. Um, Mina, I'll let you go first. Thank you, Christopher. Um, well, my name is Mena. Uh, I have a background within IT for almost 30 years. I have been uh, working as a developer, but also been in project management, uh, test management. I'm currently a release train engineer, um, where we have, uh, where we're doing SAFE at Tunstall, the SAFE framework, and I enjoy my job very much and um, being the coach for the teams. So. It's neat. Well, it's very important to enjoy your job. That's the yeah. main, the main priority. <laughs> right. Okay. Julian, we'll go we'll come to you next. Yeah. My name is Julian. I'm from Netherlands. Been working at the Inca Group for about six years, and for the past uh, year and almost exactly one month, <laughs> I've been uh, engineering manager there as well. And yeah, I think I, I always feel cheesy saying it, but I really love my company. <laughs> And I'm very, very happy, uh, happy with the with the values that we have and everything that we're doing. So I feel, I feel proud. Yeah, it's always, always to be good on the to, podcast. It's always good to feel aligned with the company's values. It just makes everything a lot, lot, lot easier. Fantastic. Thanks for the introduction. Apo, we'll come to you next. Yeah, thanks. So my name is um, Apo. Uh, I currently work as VP of Engineering for Warner Bros. Discovery. Uh, I have had different roles in the past, uh, ranging from product analyst to product owner, uh, product manager, engineering manager across different industries. So you can say I've I've done not all of it, but a lot of it. Um, yeah, currently I'm leading a rather large team of engineers uh, preparing for the upcoming release of our new product, the combined Warner Bros. Discovery product. I've been looking about on the news recently. It looks looks pretty cool and see them coming together. So it'll be interesting to see what products come out of it. But again, thank you for being on the podcast. Um, but last but not least, um, Stina, we'll, we'll come to you. Thanks. So my name is Stina. I'm head of commercial products at a company called Orabay, which is um, a car app from Volvo Cars. So uh, we're a company um, founded in 2021, going from a department to a standalone company. It has about 3,000 employees. Um, and currently, we're setting up a whole new digital landscape so transforming the existing one into something completely new uh so we used to say um that we're a 114 year old startup uh, because <laughs> it has a lot of startup traits but we still have to deliver everything uh that we 
we were doing before. Um, and it's a fantastic journey to be on. Uh, lots of challenges, um, but very many challenges related to uh, today's topic about leadership and how to uh, to make people grow. Um, so, um, like the rest of you guys, I really enjoy my my job and and uh, the growth it brings. Fantastic! I don't think I've had so many people on that enjoy the job so much, which is uh, fantastic <laughs> to see. Um, right, glad we've got uh, a connect. Uh, establish a connection with each other and understand what we each other do what we're here to talk about is obviously what Stina just said is how to, how we grow professionals um so we're interested to see what each of you have to say i've reached out to all of you and you all came through and um, with regards to like the, what questions they're going to pose up and um, julian we'll come to you first yeah um the question that you came to me originally was, what is the best examples you've seen of professional growth? Plus a little follow-up question being, what do you think um, helped you grow um, successfully? Can you sort of go with a bit more detail with that for me, please? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know how much more detail I have, <laughs> but uh, I'll give it a shot. I think, you know, I would love to hear some of your examples from your different fields because um, I think everybody has their own version of what is great professional growth. Uh, so I would love to know what are what's the best example that you've seen or some of the best examples you've seen in, in your careers, in your fields, and uh, start unpacking that a bit. Cool. I can jump there first, break the ice. So my example of the best um, career growth progression that uh, I've experienced up until now is a fellow colleague from many, many years ago. He was at the time a QA engineer and he wanted to go into product management. Uh, our common manager or skill level common manager uh, gave him this opportunity and the guy basically aced it. Uh, he basically uh, in very few cycles, iterations, uh, he became almost the expert of the product and the user um, the user needs, uh, the user journey, and so on. Um, he managed to uh, basically uh, show how product management should be done to more uh, uh, seasoned product managers. Um, now, of course, the question is, how did he succeed? Uh, to that degree, um, he was very passionate. Um, uh, maybe the fact that he was in QA before gave him a little bit more like insights into what the user is actually going through with our product. I'm not going to name the product uh, and so on. <laughs> uh, something that also helped him probably is the manager either gave him a lot of free space or opened up the space in front of him. Hey, go ahead experiment or pushed him that i don't know i don't have all the details but uh, definitely the manager had a, a role here of the, the manager the leader uh, to enable him unfortunately the guy got burnt out because he was working uh, excessively because he loved what he was doing so at the end he basically had to scale back so maybe yeah that's not the exact example you're looking for but up until the end the guy was doing great yeah I actually love that you mentioned that part about burnout because I had that in some of my notes as well on this point. Because for me, a, a huge element of, of a professional, right, that that has grown is somebody also that can balance work and life because that takes practice and continuous practice. 
uh, if you're going to deliver 200% every day, you're not only going to burn yourself out, you're also going to inspire other people to burn themselves out as well. So I love that you, uh, you mentioned that. Yeah. I can, I can also share, I think it, it uh, ties into at least the last point you said about the manager and giving free space. I, um, this was also a few years back, a colleague, a person that was actually in my team. Um, and we were at that point in a team where there were a lot of unclarity, a lot of unclear expectations. Um, it wasn't a good atmosphere. Um, and the team later got, um, divided up into several and, and my colleagues, um, she moved on to, uh, to complete the other role. Um, and when I met her after only a couple of weeks, it was like a different person. Um, and after that we, we were in constant touch. Um, and she, she grew so much. She, she stepped into leadership role. And I think what I wanted to tie in was that trust that she was given to take on, um, a, a role that was, yeah, maybe not on her CV at that point, but it was, uh, it was a very good fit um, and she grew with that role. There were clear expectations. Um, I think the culture and the working climate have had a lot to do with it. Um, she's still in that role, still killing it, still loving it. Um, and the balance, I think, that we talked about is there as well. Um, so to me, it has a lot to do with that free space and the trust and, and the expectations. That's uh, what I've experienced. At least. Yeah, I can go next. Based on my experience, um, seeing uh, both in small companies and in large companies, uh, it's uh, it's mostly the ambitious people I see grow because they have this um, mindset that they want to learn and they're not afraid. So, and in combination with a good manager that can coach them, and that the manager is not afraid that they will actually leave the company because they're coached so well and then they can grow uh, outside the company, then they will actually thrive. And, and um, I, they, those are the best examples I've seen. People actually leaving companies because they have uh, a, a really steady career path. Yeah, they're predictable. Yeah. But isn't that also a bit of the question? I mean, as a leader, is your responsible it's your responsibility, first and foremost, to grow the individual to be the best version of themselves and grow as much as they can, or is it to keep the delivery for the company? Because uh, I've experienced both situations where someone has grown, grown out of their role and a manager has helped them to find the next step within or outside of the company because their, their obligations are first and foremost to that person, to help that person grow. Uh, and in other cases, when they when they discuss with their manager and saying, I, I want to take the next step, it almost becomes offensive to the manager that's been getting them that far because it feels like a failure. Whereas I, in my opinion, it, it's the greatest success. Yeah. Because you managed. So. Exactly. Yeah. I, I really recognize what you said. I think it, it's really interesting when, when the response is that, uh, that negative in terms of a person growing, because it's a, it's a, if anything, it's a, a sign that you've done a good job exactly. <laughs> developing that individual. But I think also if, if they're growing in such a way that they're getting a different role within the company, then that's a win for both of you, right? Sure. Both the company and, and the individual. If they're outside, then that's a shame. <laughs> but we shouldn't be afraid of losing people. No, no. They, even if they outgrow their role and keep it, because this is 
this is a win-win for everyone. For sure. Now you can always get them back if they don't like. <laughs> except except all of the PNC and finance because you need to do a backfill afterwards and then uh, this has extra costs. <laughs> sure. But it is interesting to say hear someone say that it's like obviously someone moving on and it's a win-win situation. It's actually quite nice to hear from from my perspective as well. It's quite nice to hear. No, but we we often don't consider. I mean, how important is it to have someone feeling well when they actually leave? Because you want that person to be um, a marketer for you as as an employer as well. So you want someone that's been with your team to tell other people. I grew a lot in the team. I got the possibility to do new things and try new things, and my growth was really good. That's the best way to get new professionals to to apply to an open position at your company. Yeah, people the want to be seen and want to be heard. So, mm. so what? Well, where the mouth? Yeah, uh, probably the chance of losing such an individual that has grown and uh, has been helped. Probably the chance of losing this individual are small because this person feels appreciated and has given space to grow. Okay, maybe it becomes so specialized that there is no more like growth opportunities and maybe there is this super duper opportunity somewhere else. But these chances of actually the whole universe aligning to lose this person are small compared to actually keeping this person in this like subject matter expert position. Do you, know, do you have any sort of closing thoughts there? I know you've, you've had opinions from the, the other three. I think... It, it it does uh, reflect what I've been thinking about as well in terms of it's a it's both the individual and the person managing the individual that have a responsibility or a joint responsibility. So that's uh, I guess I, I already felt that, but it's nice to hear that we're thinking in the same terms uh, as well in in different uh, industries. Yep. Okay, fantastic. What we'll do, we'll move on to the next person. Afo, we'll come to you next. Um, you give me two questions. The first one I want to target is. Um, examples of different cultures you have experienced over a professional career um, as the receiving end of the support. Can you double a little bit deeper for me? Yeah. I'm curious of examples where you as individuals have approached your direct managers or maybe a mentor for someone without function and asked for help or for advice and so on. What kind of advice, what kind of help did you get? I want to see... Okay, I have my experiences, but I want to see experiences from other angles and uh, maybe compare notes with the things that I experienced in the past. Who's going to take this challenge first then? Mina? Uh, let me see if I understood your question. <laughs> so, so um, let, let I... me rephrase you. You want to you grow in your, in your role and you go to your master. Yeah, 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 and I, yeah. I developer level one and I'm going to go level two. What kind of advice? What kind of support? What kind of push did you get? Did you get... Did you pull yourself up or did they push you up? And so on, these kind of examples. I want to I wanna see what's yeah, yeah. the collective wisdom here. Uh, I think I think in most, I think in, there's, a, there's a cultural difference. Of course there is, um, yeah, because it's a big world. Um, some countries, for example, India uh, and, and, and UK, for example, I think there's an there's a old mentality of a hierarchy. So if your manager tells you something to you, that you should do, you do it. But in, in Sweden, we have a more open-minded uh, mentality that the, the things that the manager tells you is kind of suggestions that you are you are free to say that you like or don't like the ideas. Um, 
So those are the things that I have reflected over um, listening to. To I have not been in that situation myself because mostly of my manager has been have been Swedish. So, um, but uh, talking to colleagues, I can see that their their career path have been somewhat different. Uh, I had had colleagues in India that were coached by me, but I was not their manager. But they had a, a, a growth within their company uh, based on the coaching. I hope it was my coaching, but they were based on coaching from, from Sweden and, and uh, the, the Western countries. And I don't think they got that coaching from their nearest manager. Yeah, just to piggyback off of that, I think that culture plays a huge role, like you were saying as well. I mean, uh, both in terms of background setting, but also company culture. If we just look at, uh, you know, Inca Group Digital, we're humbly trying to shape the future of retail with 3,500 awesome tech uh, professionals. And we're spread across eight growing hubs from Bangalore to Madrid to Amsterdam, South Sweden, you know, Philadelphia, Shanghai. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of different cultures. And then we also, on top of that, have all of the digital co-workers and all of our services office, service offices. So you know, it's, it's, it's going to be different in each country, but I think the one thing that at least in, in my perspective at this company has kind of helped steer it in a way is definitely the, the company culture that's been very, very clear. It's not just a, a te- it's not a text on a wall. It's uh, something that we actually live by. And I think that has been key for us to continue delivering on our mission to be there, you know, create a better everyday life for the many people. Without that that culture, I don't think we would have been able to have to have been as efficient as we have been able to have been. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely the culture plays in it plays a role for sure. <laughs> um, I can continue on that. Then uh, um, we were a company of since, like I told you guys before that um, we were carve out. Um, so half of the company was actually part of another company, and the other half has joined. So, and we have a, a great company culture in the making um, and of course on paper, but like you said, Julianne, it's, it's very different how it actually is and, and what's stated, how it should be. Um, and I think the role modeling part is the most important. If you have leaders that role model that culture, and I'm fortunate enough to have one of those uh, setting up the digital team and uh, digital was not part of the carve out. So it was for employees, I think, uh, one of our factories. That was the start of our digital organization. Today, we're about, I think, around 50 employees and around 200 consultants and both services um, supporting us. Um, but our leadership, it starts with our, our leader. And uh, and coming back to, to one of your, uh, your specific questions, Apple, around if you approach that leader and you want to do something different or, or so, uh, the way I've approach my uh, my manager for that is as i mean this is what i want to do this is what i intend to um and and i want to develop in this direction um and i always get really good advice and sometimes maybe even more push and uh, shouldn't you be attending this shouldn't you be doing this i think this will develop you um and that role modeling tends to trickle down in the rest of the organization um, so the culture, company culture, as well as we're also multi-site, um, not as many as, as you mentioned, Julianne, but, uh, we have a factory in, in Sweden, factory in, in China, 
um, we're very multicultural company anyway. We have a lot of, of diversity in terms of background and and uh, cultures, but uh, but that role modeling of the culture, uh, specifically in the leadership, specifically in the in the growth part, um, I think is really important because you can have the fancy words, um, and you can have a, a policy for how to develop professionals or or uh, how you should should coach them. Um, but the role modeling, I think, is most important. Yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. Well, uh, all three of you basically identified one critical component, which is the the culture, the the mindset, the of the individual, and so on. Uh, does that does that point to let's say certain mindsets are actually more help, more helpful than others, or is it like? you need to adjust the way you ask for help. So if I have manager X from Scandinavia versus manager Y from, I don't know, um, uh, Latin America, do I need to adjust the way I'm going to ask for help or should I not expect, for example, from the Scandinavian manager, as Nina said, it's a recommendation and it's not like a, an actual push. Yeah, interesting aspect. I think that's that's where those those core company values for me come in because at least in our company we have give and take responsibility, lead by example. There's many different things that kind of set a baseline in how you you know what is what we consider to be you being uh, a a regular employee, right? But then what you're mentioning now on top of that, I would say that almost goes more into the standards that you have within your specific team because one team might actually prefer a different communication style than another team. And I think as a manager, at least, that is something that I, I would want to identify within within the team and set that as a standard in how we communicate together. Um, it might be that the team doesn't feel comfortable, you know, with open disagreement, but then you, you can find different ways and, and you know, have subgroups or so, something like that and come back together. It, it doesn't really matter how you do it. It's more recognizing that maybe there is no one size fits all uh, in terms of how, how you're supposed to communicate upward as well. But doesn't it go for both leadership and the, both up and down, say, I mean, at least I, I try to, I have a very diverse team in terms of, of um, seniority um, and and cultural wise as well. And, and I feel I, I have to be a different leader to each of them. Um, and I, I would probably look at it the same depending on who I would ask for. For support so it's adapted to that individual and the situation um how i ask for it but also how i how i coach my own team because they require a lot of, of different types of coaching not only based on their their seniority or their skills or their personalities but the cultures and people just function differently and and you need to adapt your way of leading and um, but also asking for things, I think. But then, Stina, I guess the most critical thing is this adaptability to start from the top and go down. If you don't have this this factor up there, nothing can make, it, make any difference. No, um, I think so, too. Um, and I, as I said, I'm fortunate enough to have that kind of role modeling within our company. Um, but I don't think, if you don't, I don't think it hurts to start at your level. Maybe you could... Uh, I mean, you can always influence. Uh, yeah. I roll more like Really interesting points this. Mina, do you have any more thoughts there? Not really. I think uh, if I'm looking at the questions that we have coming up, I think we will cover most 
later on. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, Apollo, any more closing thoughts? Uh, no, I think we covered this uh, this domain. Although I was really hoping for like concrete examples. Manager X told me to do this, or manager Y told me not to do that. Anyway, <laughs> when we went, it was also helpful. Okay. Okay. Glad we you, you got something out of it. Think of some concrete examples for later. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. We can have a peek out. Right, Stina, we'll come to you next. And the question that you posed is, in all the companies I've worked in, I've tried a number of ways to set objectives, performance targets on competitive development plans. However, good in good the intention of the process, I don't feel any of them have fully supported the growth of professionals in my team. How do you work with a performance evaluation in a way that truly develops the competence of an individual. That's a long word of question to read out. <laughs> I'm they're struggling. Um, but can, can you go in a little bit more detail and just explain to the group for us a bit more? Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, I think we will recognize the situation and it's this time of year now, right? We all have the talks plan. Um, and even though there's always a goodwill of having the performance evaluation and comp planning to be sort of, um, um, what's the word, um, to be part of the everyday work. So it's not something on top of. I still feel it's always something that people, oh, we have to have find time to do this. So even though you might, because every employee is worth the time that you put in there and really do a proper evaluation. But I've, I've still have to find a way to really incorporate it into the development plan and then work with that on a daily basis in all the activities that the, um, the professional is taking on. Um, and I know um, someone mentioned it earlier that the ambition is what really leads to a, a good growth. And I, I really agree with that. Um, but people also have different ambitions in terms of how much time they spend on their own competence plan. Um, and as a, as a leader and a manager, how do you help them grow through that boxy performance review where you have to get, I mean, some companies have, you get a number, you get a rating or you get whatever. So, uh, yeah, no, I, f I find it difficult. I think it's a good thing, uh, to, and, and we have to do it, but, um, I'm, I'm curious to hear if you have any good example of where it's really worked in actually growing the potential of a professional. Yeah. I think this is a great question. And I. You know, like you said, we all recognize that too many times. I'm sure we've all seen goal setting for the sake of goal setting. Uh, you really want to avoid creating those uninspiring goals that are either vague or don't actually solve the core issue that the team should be solving or the individual should be solving. But I think to work with performance evaluation in a way that really recognizes an individual, like you said as well, you have to cater to that specific person, right? And that means, from my perspective, at least as engineering manager, I have to put in the work. <laughs> I have to know what area it is that my coworker wants to develop into and actively co-create opportunities with that individual. Maybe it's nice with an example. I had an engineer that was interested in uh, learning more about design. So I set up an upskilling plan for them to learn more. And then they themselves took the ball and really ran with it adding more courses and proactively working more with design. I think every bigger company has certain uh, career paths for each department, but what's been really helpful for me is reminding myself that if I don't take, you know, the responsibility initiative to think outside of those paths, 
then it's much harder for my people to do the same, right? So that is also the beauty of working with people because everybody's different and has different ambitions and you just got to hone in on that. And to add a bit more as well, I think that with, in terms of our company with Inca Group, you know, we're meeting customers in many different formats and we see uh, the digital and physical world coming together faster and faster every day. And it's important to be data-driven with that. But at the same time, we also need to remember that we're working with people. So we also need to be people-driven and uh, people-centric. So you can have a certain general framework, like you were hinting to as well. But after that, you really need to recognize the individual and tap into that person's uh, ambitions. And things like smart goals are always really helpful and, and finding ways to both help their, their ambitions and their path, but also merging it with things that they're probably naturally already going to need to be doing in the team. Um, another example is with setting a knowledge baseline, you know, everybody in the team needs to have a certain level of security knowledge, those kinds of things that, that yeah. makes it more organic. And then you can also talk about it in one-to-ones. So that it's not like a one t one year yeah. thing, yeah, yeah. But that's uh, yeah. it takes work, <laughs> but it's so worth it when when you do uh, do see that that growth and people taking on new responsibilities and you know getting visibility across the organization outside the organization, becoming experts. I think Mina, you mentioned that as well. So it's very satisfying. Okay, uh, Apa, what are your thoughts there? Um... I'm going to start by saying that there is a, a very fine line between uh, the goals we're setting and uh, the risk for success or failure uh, for that individual. Uh, a person that is in um, the periphery of, uh, let's say, one domain might not be given the opportunities because of various reasons, whereas a person that is in a more central there's an inherent bias, bias here that, okay, person A succeeds because this person is in the core and person B fails or doesn't have such significant uh, growth and so on. Um, at the same time, the we need to be a little bit careful when it comes to linking like the career or not the career, sorry, but the, the, uh, the professional growth of the individual with uh, monetary terms, let's say. Yeah, you uh, you made it eighty uh, percent of your goals, and therefore you get X percent increase, and so on. Um, this has like direct impact uh, and can demotivate individuals. Like, okay, I want to grow in that direction. My goals are going in another direction. I'm gonna focus on the money aspect instead of the career aspect, or maybe I'm gonna go somewhere else where these two things are aligned. Um, so it's super critical. And not so easy, actually, as Julian said, uh, to actually find okay smart goals. Yeah, everybody talks about smart goals, but at the end, you need goals that actually align these two things: the uh, the organizational direction, you as a manager, where do you want to take the group or the team, and where the individual wants to go. So, mm -hmm. uh, if if a person wants to grow into I don't know, shift track from IC into manager. And this person wants to have, for example, uh, help on uh, domains X, Y, Z. How do you align uh, your OKRs, your quarterly plans, whatever, with the the things that this person needs needs help? So let's say I have problems with um, uh, presentations in uh, 
leadership groups and so on. Okay, fine. Yes, you're going to take all the presentations that the team is doing, uh, like status reports and so on. Good luck. It's going to be painful. But this is all, this is the only <laughs> way, basically, for you to succeed. Yeah, yeah. No, I like that thought on aligning there because because I I recognize that problems when you have a professional growth path planned out for yourself or or that individual has and it doesn't align with the deliveries plan for the team or the objectives for the team um, then it is of course difficult to achieve both so yeah good input but it, Mina, what i mean you? yeah go ahead mina oh, i can sorry after i've talked a lot <laughs> i was thinking of the the smart uh, they mentioned that apple and i think that if you set goals for the individual, if you are a leader and you help them set the goals, make them easy and measurable because you don't want the individuals to lose their energy. Because if they cannot tick the box that they have managed to, to complete that one, they will lose the energy and they feel like they will never be able to fulfill the goals. So I think that is one of, one of the things that it doesn't matter if there are 20 goals, at least they are measurable and you can tick them off before the end, uh, the deadline. So I think that's the most important part. Clear acceptance criteria. Yeah. Can I, can I inject a parameter here that might make this goal setting a little bit more tricky? Uh, in large organizations with a lot of like interconnectivity between teams or interdependency, this goal setting and checking the boxes becomes extremely difficult. Yeah. Because you might say, okay, update, for example, uh, tooling X, and then, yeah, I have dependence on five other teams to do this. Yeah. But then you should only put the, the, the goal for yourself because if they're dependency and then, then it's a shared goal and that, that will never be achieved. Yeah. Some really interesting points there. Um, Stina, what were your thoughts there? Closing thoughts. No, a lot of, of really good reflections. And, and uh, as I said, since we're a company, we're reforming a lot of things. We're also reforming our performance process. We have an embryo right now that I um, looks very, very promising. It takes a lot of the cultural aspects in into it as well uh, as the performance uh, or the deliveries. Um, so yeah, a lot of good aspects. And uh, I'll let you know after we've tried it the first time uh, to what my learnings have been. But uh, no, I think I got what I needed. So thanks. Yeah, so that's what I like to hear. So last but not least, Mina, we'll come to you and your question. You came to me and said, should professionals be investing in their own growth with self-leadership? And what can leadership do to support and coach that approach? Can you just tell us a little bit more? Yeah, I know. Um, it's kind of related to one of Apple's uh, question that we didn't bring up. Uh, should Should one push or should one pull? So, so, um, and self-leadership is one thing that I think people should have and, and, and start to, to, to practice even more, um, because if they have that in themselves, because their career, uh, and their LinkedIn profile, that's their brand. So what do you want to achieve? So we have a cliche where we're asking at, at interviews, where do you want to be in five or 10 years? So that's part of the self-leadership, but as a leader. What can you do to kind of uh, empower them to go that path and kind of set their goals themselves so you can kind of coach them in a good way? I had, um, yeah, I had a, a smart person tell me about that everybody is responsible for their own possibility to be employed. And I think that's something that's stuck with me. That's um, in logical versions, at least what I've, what I've experienced, there's sometimes... Um, 
um, a belief that the manager is responsible for the individual's competence development. And uh, I mean, you're always responsible for your own attractiveness or your brand or so on the, on the market. Um, but as a leader, you could pave that way a lot. And uh, like Julianne was saying earlier, that you have to put the time in. And I think time is one of the things that you could really, um, even though you want the individual to take the responsibility and have the drive and have the ambitions at the goals and, and have plans, uh, if you make yourself available as the manager or as the leader um, to do the coaching um, and to sort of just confirm that they're on the right path and maybe sometimes find books for them or courses for them or or more activities in a specific area. And like, like the example you mentioned, Apple, if someone wants to develop their, their presentational skills, yes, they'll do all the presentations in the area. That's the thing you can do. It's still the individual taking responsibility for their own growth and development, but you can facilitate. I can add a little bit here that uh, uh, time is the most valuable asset and uh, your manager, your leader, your uh, mentor, they are super busy as well. So don't expect them to come and handhold you and drag you forward. They're going to maybe once a quarter, once a month say, hey, we had this kind of like uh, goals of yours. How are they doing? But 90%, 99% is your own like internal motivation uh, factors. Yeah. I think especially early in my career, I've made the mistake of going too much into push and thinking that that would eventually lead into the person going into a pull, right? But that isn't sustainable in the longer term, and it's also tiring for the manager and the person that is being pushed. Um, but I guess my my way of finding a balance in that has been very much to, again, listen in to each individual, hone in on their aims, dreams, and goals. And, um, you know, without oversimplifying complex individuals, I think I have seen a trend where people that aren't initiating pull from their end are often not performing as well in their current or either, right? And that makes sense because if you don't know where you're going with your career, you're not going to be as motivated to deliver in the now. So I think it's important also to reflect that those two are interconnected and by helping guide and and give that clarity on next steps, like you were saying, Sina, coaching as well, you mentioned Mina, we can help people to get more clarity and through that get get more of a pull in terms of the next steps with the career and developing as a professional. One last comment from my end, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't <laughs> your manager, your manager to be the only person that is doing this. Try to find a mentor, even if it's not inside the company or uh, someone to bounce ideas, to have like an accountability partner. Yeah, I took this course, okay. So what, what happened with this course? And <laughs> you do after the course. You need to have like a more pluralistic uh, mechanism or support group around you. Mm. But again, you're the CEO of yourself, so you need to make sure that the executive board around you is actually watching you. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Mina, I think that... everyone's... Sorry, I'm staying. I'll let go. No, I'm just thinking, and there's always that much discussion about push or pull, and I, I think a combination is always best. Uh, I mean, like you experienced, Julian, if you, if you start by pushing, you think they will pull. If you start by letting them pull, but then if you see that it's not developing as you would like or or pe person or the individual is not maybe challenging themselves, then maybe bring in a little push or sometimes ask, do you want me to push a little bit? Because um, there's always that. I, um, I, I really think 
being honest and transparent is is one of the most important things and and um my manager says i always says that i i do not have a poker face you can totally see that way if i don't like something um but and to me i if i don't if i can't interpret something correctly i ask the question straightforward so we have a lot of discussions in my team how would you like me to talk about these things if if there's something i see or something i'm expecting and it's not delivered how would you like me to approach you? So we've had that both in the team, but also individual to individual. Um, because I, I think that they, they can give, yeah, I want you to push. Or no, I want to pull, and I'll come to you when I need it. So also adapted to the situation and the, the individual. The other thing to keep in mind is the, the fact that uh, the pull that you might uh, experience from your manager uh, sometimes comes from other forces within the organization, like uh, PNC or in the past, it was called like HR that wants to have certain number of promotions or certain distribution of uh, skills and so on. So it's not like um, everybody gets the same treatment from the manager. So maybe the manager identifies two individuals and puts all the effort on these two individuals. And then you're stuck there for, let's say, a couple of years until your turn comes. But don't waste your time there. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I've never experienced that, but that's that's interesting. Yeah. It, like you said, don't put all your eggs in one basket then. <laughs> Mina, what were your sort of closing thoughts there? Well, uh, to summarize uh, what, three three things that I will bring with me. It's transparency, which I think is very important. Clear communication over the expectations and uh, uh, give people the time because otherwise they will not reach their goals. So, well, Amazing, amazing. Well, what we'll do, we'll leave it here. This has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I want to take this opportunity to thank, um, to tell you to start with, <laughs> Mina, we'll start with you. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, Julian and uh, um, Apo and Dinah, again, really do appreciate you taking your time out today. Thank you very much.